Welcome, everyone, to the Anthony and Todd Show, a weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. I'm your host, Vincent Thomas Short, a.k.a. Far from Ozzy Osbourne again. Well, yeah, he's in Britain. He's across the pond. We're all pretty far away from him right now. Well, unless you're unless you're one of our viewers from Britain, in which case you're you're much closer than us. I think he lives in America. Does he? Know? Doesn't he? I thought he did during the Osbourne era. Oh. I don't remember. Yes. I have I watched that show as a lot as a kid, but I don't have any memories about it. Where does Ozzy Osbourne live? Los, oh, Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay, so it's in America, but it's on the wrong coast, so still pretty far away. My joke stands. <laughs> Well, everything's far away when you have a hollow inside and a deep depression. I'm so far away. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, and I'm joined by my ever attentive co-host, my best friend, my pal, my amigo, my Drew, Jonathan. A.K.A. King Cruel is my main in Smash. It's not actually my main. My main is Kirby, but King K. Cruel is my uh, my my uh, second pick. No, I think you mean King Cruel. King Cruel is my second pick. Uh, this is episode 131 of the Anthony and Todd Show, an episode we would like to call Man Alive, more like Man in an Existential Crisis. Ah, that's me! <laughs> uh, today we're going over a ton of new releases from the likes like of Ford. It's not a ton. Gr- it's a ton to me. A ton is 2,000. I hate you. <laughs> Grimes with misanthropy. Miss Anthropocene? Anthropocene. That's what I was going to say. I know how to pronounce things. So you don't. I, I, I good read. I read good. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne with Ordinary Man. King Cruel with Man Alive! Alive! And finally, Wreckmeister Harmonies with We Love to Look at the Carnage. No, we love to look at Carnage. Carnage the producer oh, that made the EP about, with Young Thug. I thought they were talking about Carnage. He's going to be in Venom 2. Oh, Venom, 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 Venom. I mean, that's going to be a weird ass. Fuck. I don't know. I, I want the, I want, I want the music to be Carnage, Carnage, Carnage. Can they get Machine Gun Kelly to do that soundtrack and just reignite uh, the be, fucking That would be beat. funny. Um, before we start, if you want to follow the Anthony and Todd show, I don't know why you would, but if you want to, you can find us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at YouTube.com for listening to Anthony and Todd show if you're listening in audio form. You can find us at Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and Podbean. If you're watching in a video version and you want to listen to the audio version, you type Anthony and Todd show in your favorite podcast service you can also find us up on patreon at patreon.com forward slash anthony touch if you want to support us monetarily without any further yeah. ado if you're if you're tired of looking at our faces which i wouldn't blame you uh, you can listen to us on podcast or you can just shut your eyes and listen to this while you go to sleep here's some soothing mu- music here's some soothing nature noises you are now asleep good night <laughs> Are you ready to get into this latest Skepta album? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Time to go over Grimes' latest album, Miss <clears throat> Anthropocene. I can't read that. That's one of those words where I can't I can't look at it. Yeah. Anthropocene. Anthropocene. Yeah, it's like there's just too many vowels in it and it makes me uncomfortable. Kind of like how Grimes makes me kind of uncomfortable just because I find her weirdly pretentious. Grimes, here, I've been trying to f- figure out for years now, why Grimes and Elon Musk got together. I don't, and I've come to a conclusion. Based upon Grimes' like pretension and her weird, like, I'm so different aesthetic, and then Elon Musk and his fucking smoking weed, um, what I've come to the conclusion is these two are those two kids in high school 
who were both really fucking nerdy, but thought they were just the coolest shit ever, and were just really kind of awkward and just weird to be around. You want you want and they're dating because it makes sense. This is that weird anime girl and that weird guy who tried way too hard to be cool from high school. They never grew up and now they're dating. And I, they're I don't I don't like dating into a relationship because I don't think it's super important. It isn't. But, but in my opinion, why they're together is Grimes really talks about robotics and uh, like artificial artificial intelligence, yeah. um, but also like. Going to Mars? No, not she, going to Mars. But like, like in recent, like not like music, Ghost like, in the Shell issues, so like yeah. transhumanism and stuff like that. Where it's at what point are you human? Shit that really doesn't matter when like we don't have those issues. We currently. don't. We don't have AI. We don't have. But like, let me let me progress okay. forward. I don't want to get into that too much. We'll talk about that a little bit later if it pops up. But yeah. uh, one, two answers. Good answer. The correct answer. She wants to make a sex robot that's conscious. Two, because Elon Musk has the resources and the money. Yeah. Two, she wants to turn herself into a robot. That's the bad answer because it's not yeah. as fun. Sex no. robot all the way. Always fun. But Sex also ro- she's like talked a lot in real life about how like her main like goal in life is to go to Mars, which is also like Elon Musk's and, like, main goal. So she, she's pregnant currently and I, I read a snippet, just a small teeny bit, and she described how her setting up her future presence was going to be like animated and stuff. Which I think gets into weird territory that I don't really like. Because, like, while I like, like, animated characters or, like, animated acts like the gorillas, yeah. there's a human aspect to it. Damon Albarn. Yeah. And, uh... But, uh, like, they're also, like, not just animating a real person. They're, yeah. like, f- fictional characters. Yeah. With just, like, a human person behind it all. It's kind of like, why would... If Metalocalypse was a band, why would I give a shit about an animated TV show about Metalocalypse? <laughs> they're much more interesting because they're just a fake band that's an animated TV show, not a real band. I don't... Like, if Gorillas was, like, all just a bunch of real people who decided to make animated versions of themselves, that's inherently less interesting than one guy making a fake animated band. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't like the... I don't want to talk about this too long, because we got to end this album at some point, but uh, I just don't like the concept of animated acts like acts that aren't real that are just homogulated Mm -hmm. because like gorillas they you have that one you on um on the animation you have that one forefront i forget his name jamie something and then on music you have damon outbar the one forefront but like everything goes through them they collaborate with a lot of people but everything funnels through them through their visions yeah but like when you just create an animated figure on your own I'm not going to say Grimes is planning on doing this or anything like that. This is just a segue to talk about other things. Um, When you create an animated figure on your own and like homogenize a bunch of different viewpoints of that, I don't like that. That scares me. Yeah. I don't know why. And uh, I I don't know if there's, it's K-pop or J-pop. There's an artist that is, is animated. Like the hologram ones. Yeah. Something like that. I don't like a genre though. And that's kind of going around with like the same like idea of like creating a fake act, but not like, but that's all homogenized. It's not really run by one person. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not too familiar, but that's still like inherently more interesting than like a real act who then becomes animated. Like you're already a real act. What do you really gain by turning yourself into a cartoon character like it's not a fake character to represent something it's a real character who's just now animated like what the fuck's the point point? and it's just weird and it just feels very pointless i don't know I, I think it could have a point whether it's based on the project or not i i don't know but i i think the 
bigger issue is that's your long living representation of yourself yeah. when the music it has to relate to the music yeah if it doesn't there's not a point inherently to it but yeah i guess that's true because like metalocalypse like the band were like over the top parodies of like death metal people and the music was over the top parodies of death metal like they yeah. were they were a representation of the ideas in the music I just don't like the idea. It's the same thing that I fear about like AI music. I just don't like that concept. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't think it's going to be a huge problem because humans are going to relate to other humans. And I've listened to some of that uh, AI based <laughs> ambient music. Did you see the feed that Neil dropped? It was like, ask if like, is Travis Scott now just AI? No, there's there's a there's an AI video where the lyricism is all Travis Scott, and it's nice. bad. It's bad. Like the lyricism is bad. I don't know if the vocals are. They didn't sound like it, but the yeah. lyricism's bad. Like it's not even close to Travis Scott. <laughs> like it's just it ha- like it mentions like Jack Boys, and like I'm just like okay, he said that a decent amount. That's why it popped up because yeah. it's homogulated a bunch of Travis Scott songs, but it doesn't feel like any of this has. It feels like I'm just typing shit in Google Translate, translating it back and forth and back and forth until I get a homogulated sentence. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I feel like the AI music is cool, like in experimentation. Like there's been like in other mediums, like people have been like playing off the idea. Um, Lars von Trier once used like a program to like do his cinematography. And so, like, a program literally decided randomly when to move the camera or when to zoom in based on, like, the actors and but shit. But I, I think and, that's... like, that's an interesting experiment. Yeah. But it's... He immediately stopped doing it after one film because it's but only also, good as an experiment. There's only a human... There's a humanistic element to yeah. it at the same time. I haven't seen it. I'm not going to say it's good or not. But there's a humanistic element. There's yeah. curation to it. My biggest problem is when you get these just, like, big corporations making music just yeah. modulated... Yeah. This mess. That's neither here or there because it's time to talk about Grimes' latest ma- uh, latest album, Miss Impress. I can speak words. Uh, Grimes is a Canadian singer, songwriter, record producer, and visual artist. She's mostly known for art pop and being kind of a polarizing artist. You either love her or hate her. I don't really know too much about her outside of that. I know the big singles, We Appreciate Plower and Oblivion. My whole opinion, because. But also, I felt like. She's always been distant in her personality, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You can be distant, but like I always feel like it's not real. It kind of goes back to the things I've talked about um, when we did the poppy review about like weird as an aesthetic versus weird with a point. I I didn't get weird as aesthetic. Like it's not like specifically like visually I do, but like her music I just got like like, everything. Like I just got I just got replaced weird with like distant and pretentious. Yeah, it's pretentious because, like, I I think the way she describes things is super. I say dumb shit all the time, and I'm willing to admit I'm pretentious. I'm Mister Pretentious, but like, I mean, we're both pretty pretentious. But I think, yeah, you're Mister Pretentious. That's right. You said it, so now you have to live with it. Mr. Look, I accept my pretentiousness. Um, but I think there's only like so far you should go into things before yeah. like they just become stupid yeah and you need to admit the fact yeah what i'm talking about now is really dumb and that's the human of you mm-hmm. to do that grimes i haven't really got that no. and like she's distant and not necessarily is always a bad thing but like it's almost kind of lifeless yeah and uh which is i guess <sighs> my main criticism with this album is like 
while the production on this album is like super clean, which I would expect given that she now has the resources of fucking Elon Musk to back her up. <laughs> she made this album in a cyber truck. Yeah, she could literally like make literally whatever she want. And she has so many so much fucking money at her disposal now to make things like if this album didn't sound good, that would be a fucking like crime, basically. Because you have so much well, money I to clean things up. I necessarily don't have that judgment, because I feel like people, like... I mean, like, the production-wise. Like, if the production was, like, grimy or gross or, like, not well What if it was, like, well a produced. demos album? What if it was, like, a Daniel Johnson? Well, if it's a demos, I'm assuming she didn't put the money behind it. But this is, like, a full album, a studio album. I just Obviously, want you to clarify that. Yeah, like, if you're going to make a full studio album with your res like pretty much pulling all your resources together which now includes fucking Elon Musk's But she's also signed to a pretty big label. Yeah. But like she has a big label now. She has Elon Musk's money to back her up. If this album sounded like a demos album or wasn't cleanly produced or like poorly mixed, that'd be a very bad sign. If it wasn't, like, with a purpose. Basically, what I want to say is I want to try to get through the rest of the review without referencing Elon Musk, because I feel like... I'm it, only going to reference it, like, when I'm talking about, like, the production, like, the cleanest... Inherently, because I feel like yeah. it's it, it crosses an ethical boundary I'm not really comfortable with, because it's, we're here to review Grimes. We're not yeah. here with to review the relationship with Elon, even though Elon's kind of this, like, shady figure. Yeah, but, like, I, but all like, I'm saying is, not, like, with all the resources, purely just talking resources available... The production of this yeah, album. Yeah, the coal available yeah. on this album. Exactly. She ran a steam engine, and it fucking flew into the sky. Yeah. But with the production available, obviously the album sounds fine. It sounds great. Like, the production's good. All of the instrumentation sounds good. The mixing sounds good. Everything sounds good, but it's just kind of lifeless. There's very little personality on this album. That's the biggest key, is personality, which is, I think, this thing's... It's lacking. Um... I I have more positive things to say about this album than negative things. The biggest negative is personality, yeah. which really comes down to songwriting and her personal performance, which gets a little bit annoying at the end. But overall, the production's pretty clean in clips. Yeah. It gets a little bit a, a bit same-samey on the second half. I don't yeah. admit that. It gets pretty long. But it's spectacular. You get shades of industrial, dark pop, mm -hmm. uh, electronica across this entire thing. It's very... At times, super happy and joyous, um, but also at sometimes just this deep, dark filth, which yeah. is nice to go through these different soundscapes. But it also it kind of only exists in those two soundscapes, yeah. and, and not really anywhere else. It doesn't. And like the soundscapes are cool and all, but like this is meant to be like a concept album with a key character, like through the concept. Like it's supposed to be like the anthropomorphization of like Mother Earth, like taking revenge for climate change basically and if you have that grand of a narrative but your vocalist and your lyricism has very little personality to it the production stops meaning as much like as good as it is it doesn't carry the album the album's supposed to be carried by like the lyrics and the voice and the character and when the album doesn't have much going on that way you can throw in as great of production as you want. The album's inherently going to be weaker because of the fact that it doesn't have the character to go with it. Yeah. Um, some interesting things I want to know. Uh, Dark Side's pretty interesting because I think it has this, has this thick 808, these high chimes, this dark industrial-like vibe that's just excellent. You have her angelic vocals, and it's completely ruined by her lack of chemistry with Pan. Yeah. Just like these two albums do not fit on no. this track. And it's like, I feel like 
like Pan just doesn't fit. No, it's not terrible. Like I don't, I don't listen to Pan. I'm like, oh, that's bad. It's more of just like this shouldn't be it, here. The lyrics are good, like when you translate them, but like it doesn't fit for the song. No, and that's yeah. Um, like it. The also, only- this was supposed to be a little Uzi Burt V at one point, but she like ne- they, that never happened. Yeah, it got scrapped. Thank God, I guess probably. No, I think I, I really want to see it because this beats fire. I want to see little Uzi Burt do his like random shit on it. Oh, he was supposed to feature. I thought he was supposed to do the beat. No, I oh, okay. no, he wasn't gonna do the beat. Oh, he was gonna feature. He, he was, That'd be hilarious. That'd be amazing. He actually. was gonna he wasn't gonna feature. It was gonna be his beat. Oh, she was gonna give it to him for his EP. Oh. It got scrapped. I think oh, it would have been fun. Okay, that would have been good then, yeah. I thought you were saying like he was supposed to like make a beat for this song. <laughs> or like I was like, I didn't even know he did production. <laughs> I don't think he does. Uh, or like he was supposed to like feature on this, like, oh, he was supposed to get the whole production and like get to do whatever he wanted. That would have been amazing, yeah. actually. Um I uh Delete Forever has this really indie vibe. It has this nice vocal pitch loop in the background that combines with these great acoustic guitars. And it has this more intimate setting and these strange vocals. Um, while the strings later on are a nice progression, I think the track just lingers. It's about uh, heroin overdoses and her kind of mourning the loss of her friends and feeling mm. empty on the inside. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really hits. Hits, yeah. Which it it's hard to go through these subjects, but at the same time, I don't think there's really anything lyric resonating lyricism that feels human. It's yeah, it's kind of the same issue when we reviewed um, Halsey. Is like you can tackle these tough subjects, but when your vocals don't really reflect the nature of the topics you're talking about, and it's not even the, to be harsh, but I think the songwriting it just doesn't feel human. Yeah, and that's it's too everything's too distant and too clean and too. I guess calculated for like pop. Yeah. Like, and that was the issue of Halsey's like Halsey was trying to tackle these like tough subjects, but everything just felt like pre generic pop like production and didn't fit anymore. And then same issue of this is like, you have like your calculated distance and that doesn't fit when you're trying to talk about something that's personal. Yeah. Uh, violence talks about how we destroy the earth. It has this nice cold, distant hypnotic, vocals it really works well i think this is one of the better tracks that really expresses everything it does in the time frame that it needs to do it's catchy it's fun it's moody and tense uh it gets to the main point doesn't really need to do anything else and it it comes off as a success of a track where there really isn't anything really holding it back i will say 4 a.m while i think it's a little bit uh pointless lyricism wise i think it's a fun drum and bass inspired pop tune yeah I think it gets to the point. Apparently, this track's supposed to be in Cyberpunk 277. Uh, she performed at the Game Awards. You, you said the title, Ronnie. Gotta say the counter. Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, she performed at the Game Awards. And it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was bad. Uh, because a lot of the Game Awards... Uh, also, Green Day performed at the Game Awards, and that was also bad. Well, but for a completely different reason. Because that's Green Day. Because Grimes, uh, she didn't perform. She uh, lip-synced very prevalently and danced. And if she didn't lip sync, they didn't mic her well. Because they didn't look, she looked like she was very focused on dancing more than anything else. Uh, New Gods has some nice ideas with uh, finding the idea of like how we all need to move forward and find something worth more. Uh, which kind of relates later on to I wor- thought it was weird that that track was there because also of like Dark Side, these are like a bunch of like 
DC Comics references because Darkseid is the leader of like the yeah. vile, like evil new gods. And I guess if she's talking about like the apocalypse, that kind of fits because that's their home world. But if you're just going to make these references and not actively try to tie them into something, like the fuck's the point? I, I didn't get the, I got the dark side reference. I didn't get the new gods reference. Well, dark side's like of the new gods. But like, I, I'm not yeah. too invested in yeah. that. Side Which is of like, the thing is like, there's nothing really here beyond. Dark side was in the shitty Justice League movie, right? Or the only shitty. <laughs> Uh, no, that was, um, Steppenwolf. Oh. I think Darkseid was supposed band. to be in the Snyder Cut. <laughs> what? I think Darkseid was supposed to be in Fucking the Snyder Cut. Fucking release the Snyder Cut. Release the Snyder Cut. Release the Snyder Cut. It's gonna Bro. be... Here's the thing, It's gonna though. fix the entire... We're not talking about the Snyder Cut. It's just, bad. It's yeah, gonna be it, bad. It, it would be bad, because all of Snyder's films in that series were bad. Like, why do you think his version is inherently gonna be better when all of his other movies were shit? Release the Snyder Cut, bro. If anything, I just want to see it to see how. But bad like on it New is. Gods, I like the idea of finding something more to yourself, and it kind of relates to the ideas that we appreciate power, which is bonus track on there. So we should technically really shouldn't talk about it because I'm not going to talk about but any it, of the additional bonus mix. But that was that. the funnest listen that I listened for. But this here's album. the thing: that track, the reason it's so inter- interesting, it's humanizing mm-hmm. in the way that it's almost cyborgish. It's talking about these ideas of. Almost upping up your own personal arsenal in a way, in a way of commending issues of like transhumanism in a sense. It gets into that, but it's more talking about like doing things to make yourself feel more confident in a grander scheme. Yeah. So, like, it touches about like finding things that make you feel accepted, even though inherently like makeup may be a bad thing, but if you're gonna use it and you like it, use it. Yeah. And, like, is there a problem with it? And it gets in that transhumanism bit where it's, like, is being something more human inherently bad? Not really. No, but, like, it has this... The idea is so far in the future that it's stigmatized. Yeah. Like, a lot of things. Yeah. Um, The second half of this album, uh, especially um, You'll Miss Me When I'm Not Around, has very emo lyricism. I'll read a little bit. If you don't bleed, then you don't die. Cross my heart and hope to fly. If you like it, then you'll make it out alive. If they could see me now smiling six feet underground. I just found it so edgy. Yeah, it didn't really. There's something that was so kind of flat. She's like, now I'm edgy. And I'm like, yeah, that's personality trait. That's kind of humanizing. But also at the same time, it's not. It, it feels it just, almost as calculated as her distance. And then I drew. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's. What is a, this? It's a trend I've been seeing a lot lately, like in albums past few years. I don't know if it goes back forever, but like, what's if like indie pop ish albums or like indie alt rock, like having these long ass closing tracks, like they're inherently like a lot longer than the rest of the like. Because you gotta leave on, on something big, and people think if you leave on something long, it's something big. Yeah, and it's which inherently is wrong. It should be a track that you're. It's that usually you think like gives your audience closure. It's usually like so long that like it's the track I like the least because it just kind of drags on for a while and leaves like a bad taste almost for the whole album. I think Bad Brains are the ones who did it right because they had like their fucking intense ass yeah, album with ninety three punk. No, not bad. <laughs> uh, bad Bad Breeding. Oh. They had this like fucking intense ass album. Then they give you a little interlude. They go in the fucking hardest track that they have in the whole album. That's how they leave you off of like just fucking. It, to me, it's something that's a little bit different that gives your audience closure. I don't know. I don't really like to talk about my own personal music on here, but the way I like to leave things, it's it's like I like to put the last track 
that brings me enjoy. Either it's like a closing segment or like an interlude yeah. type thing, or it's something that will bring your audience closure or really catch their eye at the end. Yeah. And it makes the feel like the progress. Cause you want to leave them something good to be out, leave out on or either something crippling, depressing, like yeah. get to your dark, not your darkest moment, but one of your darker moments at the end. And necessarily you don't have to put your singles at the end or anything else, no. but like something super memorable that yeah. will stick with them. You need that sticking point. Yeah. Whether it's like, uh, like a, a segment or an interlude, you need that thing. And I think, uh, on here, it's just this long, tireless segment that she's talking about being too mindlessly happy. Uh, and like, I don't know. It's so fucking. I like the instrumental. It's very cheery and fun, but also it's so fucking long that it just yeah. kind of loses its point. She's talking about, we could play a beautiful game. You could chase me down in the name of love. I want to play a beautiful game, even though we're going to lose. And later on saying, unrequited love has reassembled me. I think it's crazy. And if you had said I do, I reassemble you, baby. It seems like almost like artificial intelligence writing a love yeah. song. It doesn't seem human. It seems very flat. It's And that's not the point of it, is to be almost non-human. It this just, album doesn't pass the Turing test. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much more to say. I just think there's good ideas on here. I don't really hate this album. I think I'm more positive than I am negative against it, but there's just so many blaring issues that I don't think I'm like more positive and negative. I think it's just, I'm pretty much split. Cause like while the production's nice and some of the lyricism is nice, like the lack of personality just is so glaring. Keep in mind some of the lyricism is nice. Yeah, some of them, not all of it. Some of it. Because that's a huge issue is the personality and lyricism is attachment to that. It's an offshoot of that. Some of the lyricism's good. Sometimes the personality like works for specific tracks, but sometimes it's just so flat and empty personality wise, and the lyricism is so just meandering or pointless or so far up its own ass that it's just it's pretty much a split down the even like sometimes i'm enjoying this sometimes i'm really not enjoying it and it's i guess the most comparable album we've ever talked about that had that same like feeling for me was when we did the 1975 album i like, don't know 1975 but like 1975 was more extreme like my highs were a lot higher than this one's highs and my lows were a lot lower than this one's lows this is like that but like toned Against, in yeah, yeah. um I don't know. Keep in mind, all scores are futile on me. It's right now I'm feeling uh, like 5-6. Yeah, I was, I was going to say 5, like pretty much right in the middle. Um, but I, I think I'm more 6 than 5. I'm, I'm, but it's I'm, on the edge of that. I'm 5. Um, are you ready to get Ozzy Osbourne again? But I'm just an ordinary man. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go over the latest Ozzy Osbourne album. Ordinary Man, Ozzy Osbourne is an English singer, songwriter, actor, and television personality. He uh, is mostly known from my childhood of watching the Osbournes, uh, even though I don't have any memory of the show. I just have memories of watching the show. He's mostly known to me because of my love of Black Sabbath. <laughs> He's from a Black Sabbath who essentially pioneered heavy metal. And they, I mean, while there are like some small like songs from like previous bands that like kind of touched on what heavy metal would eventually become i mean fuck queens made up a strip fucking fresh song like before heavy metal was even a thing and that fresh was like way down the line in the history of heavy metal black sabbath pretty much made a full album of heavy metal and pretty much established the genre of heavy metal. Yeah, they were like, we, we need to take this metal and put a giant weight on it so and, it's heavy. Yeah, and basically <laughs> how they did that 
was do you know the history of like how Black Sabbath found their sound? Not really. So basically, I think I've heard it before. I don't remember it. So basically, they were a jazz band originally. Oh, I think I do and it was terrible. Those. I have one of their early demos of like when they were a jazz band. It sucks. <laughs> but then I think one of the guitarists like was had to do like their day job was like a machinery, and they like fucked up their hand, and they weren't able to play all the chords properly. So they had to like only play specific like power chords and like had to detune it a little bit and that created like the distinctive like distorted sound that would be black sabbath's main sound so basically they created their sound because they were a shitty jazz band who had an accident and discovered their good sound <laughs> but they're known for like rich atmosphere super dark setting dark menacing atmospheric sounds um pretty much just anything you associate with her early heavy metal the themes of early heavy metal, Black Sabbath did it. Yep. And then the Nazi left and then they had Ronnie James Dio, who's like the second like most important figure in the history of heavy metal, like right after Ozzy Osbourne. And then Dio left and then Black Sabbath sucked major ass until um, Ozzy came back for a reunion. And then they still kind of sucked because they were just all really old <laughs> and just retreading old territory. Yeah. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne's, I believe, currently 71. Uh, so... I was really interested to see what he would put out at this stage in his career because it seemed randomly out of fucking nowhere. And it's the weirdest starting point for it to come to conclusion. Uh, he featured on the last Post Malone album, uh, ble Hollywood's Bleeding. That's what it's called. And uh, he featured on the track Take What You Want, which is on this album's last track. Probably it's, it's essentially just a bonus yeah, track. It's a bonus. But. I really enjoyed it because he he seemed so effortlessly able to cross over into a new era of music. Ozzy. And just be able to just blend with it just so effortlessly and just do what he did in the past, but just continue. That's what I've always himself. appreciated about Ozzy. After post Black Sabbath Ozzy, I like his like earliest few albums, the ones he did um, with his first guitarist before he died. Ozzy has always been in his greatest quality as an artist has always kind of been the people he can surround himself with because like he's not technically like a good vocalist his lyrics yeah. are are like his the way his voice sounds is not technically good but it's interesting it yeah and a it lot brings character yeah character and but that character can only be held up by the people he surrounds himself with that's why black sabbath was so good because he was a character surrounded by really talented musicians who had really good like songwriting abilities in order to create the atmosphere that his voice worked in after that, he got really good guitarists who were able to push like the funner qualities of his vocals further by just writing really good guitarists for him to sing over. And yes, he does write songs, and he is a talented songwriter. Pretty much the strengths that are the people who he was able to get with him to write songs. But that's with. also it's a skill on its own. Yeah, and that's curation. A, is yeah, a that's skill. a skill. That's a very good skill. And that's what I've always appreciated about Ozzy is Ozzy didn't get so fucking far up his own ass that he was unable to accept the changing landscape of music. Like hence Post Malone and Travis Scott. Hence Post Malone, Travis Scott. Hence, like, other bands that, like, we reviewed, like, older bands who would have, like, comeback albums, like, Green Day, who try to, who, like, have this weird boomery mindset of, like, this is pure uncut rock. Ozzy doesn't give a fuck. Ozzy does whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> or, like, Blink-182, who misunderstand the mis changing musical landscape and try to adapt to it, but just fuck up. Because, like, they're still, like, them doing it, basically. Yeah. I was like, I don't give a fuck about this shit. I'll have people help me understand the way the music's changing. It's Post Malone. Yeah. 
or like Iron Maiden who just keep making the same shit over and over again. I'm just fucking tired of it. As much as I love early Iron Maiden, yeah. Iron Maiden, he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And that's what's great about Ozzy. Ozzy is like, he's probably the oldest like iconic figure in like rock music who's still making music today, but he's the least boomery of all of them. <laughs> fucking Greta Van Fleet, who are like our age, are more boomery than Ozzy Osbourne is. Because they are still stuck in the past of like, this is when rock was good. Ozzy doesn't give a shit. Ozzy will change. Ozzy accepts the trap beats and the Swedish songwriters. Exactly. And the features. And the features. Ozzy will change as music changes because that's what music does. It evolves and a good artist can evolve with it. Yeah. Um. So, Forefrontal, let me be completely honest. I really like this album. I, I thought it was fun. I think it's fun. I don't think it's like... It's not Here, a, here's the thing. Sometimes you just want an album that that's isn't, just fun. Yeah, and like that's not inherently. I view this more. It's a metal album. Yeah. It is. That's. It's a metal slash hard rock album. Yeah. That's the basis of what it lives in. But the experience I get out of it is like a pop album. Yeah, I just. It. It doesn't mean it can't be uh, at times. Um, have depth to it yeah. or have captivating performances or anything like that. I just feel like it, it fulfills the same niche. It that I serves would. the needs that like old 80s albums metal albums had because like you like getting out of like the 70s metal which was like more of like an underground experience <laughs> like you were you had to be part of the community to listen to this and it as it turned into the 80s where that became like the big thing was fucking pop music and pop metal and like hair metal and all that shit where you have shitty bands like Guns N' Roses and fucking White Snake and Kiss was still popular for some goddamn reason. I hate Kiss. I hate Kiss with a passion. Um, they only made one good song. What is that? Uh, Detroit Rock City. Okay. But like, I think the best thing that Kiss did was uh, create the Kiss demon in WCW. WCW hired Kiss to do a concert and then they got a wrestler to dress up as Kiss and wrestle matches in the face paint. And that gimmick lasted for longer than Kiss was around at WCW. For nice. like many months afterwards. Nice. But, um. And he was bad. Yeah. Because, of course. Of course. Yeah. But within like 80s metal, there were like a few standout songs and albums that were just so goddamn fun that like you can't really call them bad. Like they're not like. They don't hit the like artistic qualities of like early Iron Maiden. They don't hit the like raw underground aesthetic of like the Fresh albums, yeah. like Metallica. But they're just fun, and they're fun listens, and that's kind of where Ozzy's always placed himself at post Black Sabbath was like just having fun and making fun to listen to metal music. You listen to it the same way you listen to just any basic radio ass music, whatever's popular at the time. It's just it has the aesthetics of metal this time. Uh, so. I think where this rings, Ozzy isn't redefining his career. No. He isn't redefining his legacy. He, he isn't a to. new artist who's finally finding their fullest potential or anything like that. He's consistently finding good curation, good production to put himself over, just a fun atmosphere, catchy tunes, not a left to take himself seriously, but some occasional nuance is nice. Um, I, I think... Starting off, the most notable thing that I think Jonathan brought up to me was the how effortless those combinations with Post Malone were, yeah. how fun where they were. Um, I really like the new track. It's a raid. That's uh, with my favorite line where Post Malone starts off his verse and says, "Hold on, I'm running out of cigarettes." Fuck. 
<laughs> also, like the production on that track is, is, is going ra- almost past like metal and almost into punk territory. Yeah, because like it doesn't have like these long-winded like guitar riffs that you normally associate with metal. It's like super fast-paced, like just like strumming. Like, yeah, it's not like riffing. It's pure, just like hitting this like notes like really quickly, and almost into like a simplistic. We're almost like taking like the same basic note when just hanging it like a bunch that you get from like early punk ter- to early hardcore like it, which is weird because that's a territory i don't think i've ever really heard ozzy like sane over yeah and, him- and i never wanted to but now i want to a lot more and like they're both enjoyably have they're both obviously having fun on their hooks and they collaborate yeah. each other it seems like they're having a blast in the studio and that's why you can get out a lot of these ozzy tracks especially mm-hmm. uh, ordinary man with Alex and john even yeah. though it's like a dark touching part i can see that there's effort being put into the performance it's yeah. not lifeless this isn't a cash grab it seems important it ab uh, ozzy hasn't put an album in like 10 years i think this is it was it, yeah it was a while but um but like it seemed like this had purpose to exist yeah. which was nice even um, if the purpose was just ozzy having fun yeah which obviously shows throughout yeah. the entire thing. Uh, the other po- track I want to mention, I, I already talked about this on our post review, but Take What You Want, I love how they incorporate the trap beat. I love how Travis's haziness is reminis- <laughs> reminiscent of almost Ozzy's haziness, and it's like these two areas that have existed in time collaborating. Yeah. I think it's so strange. Uh, Ozzy's doing the same thing he always does. Travis is doing pretty much the same thing he always does. And they both find those grounds. It's like a collaboration that you would never think of, but then it happens and you're like, that made sense. <laughs> that made way too much sense for us to have not realized it made sense before. Yeah. Um, going into some, a new tracks on here. Uh, I love all my life. It's super catchy. He has built a yelpiness to his voice. There's these majestic guitars. Uh, there's some great lyricism talking about I was standing at the edge looking down at myself as a child, and he looked back at me crying tears of defeat from his eyes. He said, all I know, all the lies that you hide behind every fake smile, and I'm gonna, am I going to be lonely like you? <laughs> Shit. And essentially saying he's running from pain his entire life and maybe yeah. it's stop, time to stop running and just confront it head on. Uh, you get but, some you get some nuance that like things that are like I'm not saying this is completely in his new house because all these all these movies have always been heavily around about like darker themes and addiction, especially like and as he like got over his own and it's just as you expect from like heavy metal, it deals a lot of like just darkness, sometimes not like dwelling on the darkness sometimes just kind of the way misfits have darkness yeah. where it's just an aesthetic yeah um but he gets into some of these ideas of like he's getting up there in age and like he has to reflect on this like past life like ordinary man uh with elton john the big piano ballad with these great uh choir accompaniment and these huge guitars in the background it's completely amazing piano ballad uh slash is a good job on the track apparently he's on the track i think his his shredding's fun uh, there's a ton of good shredding on here. Yeah. I don't really care for shredding a lot, but I think it's fun on here when it's done in the scenarios. Yeah. Where it brings life to these tracks and makes them fun. But um, on Ordinary Man, he says he doesn't want to die in Ordinary Man. He's reflecting on his life and having Elton John, a huge figure in rock music, but in a yeah. different aesthetic of that, is nice that they're more reflecting. Two of these legends are reflecting on themselves. Yeah. And not feeling like boomers. Showing like humanity, it's it's great because it really establishes the thing that like boomer isn't just an age thing; it's an attitude. (laughs) Uh, There's some funnier tracks like "Eat Me," where he's just literally telling people to eat him. 
Uh, are you forgetting the greatest lyric on Straight to Hell? He says, I'm going to make you scream, I'm going to make you defecate. No, you, the greatest line on this is on Eat Me. The little ad lib he has on the end, he says, I'm on the menu. Are you hungry? <laughs> I, I, can't I can't emphasize how funny it is, his performance. It just seems like I'm just going to go in there and say something fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, scary little green man. <laughs> I thought it was, I was trying to like dig deep because there's a track that I'll get into right after this that is a metaphor or something that sounds like a typical like Black Sabbath-esque lyricism, but it's yeah. touching kind of lightly on other subjects. I thought this was maybe talking about like immigrants and aliens, but it's not. It's just aliens. It's just aliens. <laughs> I wanted it to be something big it's because there's like ideas. It's because it's like there's a line in there. It's like, um, I don't know if I wrote it down, but it's like we want them until we beat them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, OK, that's kind of like a Bloomberg aesthetic where yeah. Bloomberg loves immigrants, but he loves fucking neglecting them at the same yeah. time, which I don't know. I guess I was I'm definitely more tuned to trying to find that. But at the same time, I'm not because like I listen to black side where we have like tracks like iron man which just sound like a weird kind of like take on a comic character but at the same time it's like discussing like violence and war and how basically like the more and more like we're like trying to like improve our weaponry the more we just become these like inhuman beacons of violence to other people like the more like powerful your weaponry is the more inhuman you become yeah and sometimes they're less obvious with or like more obvious with like war pigs obviously what that's talking yeah. about but then I also remember that, like, when Ozzy switched to fucking, like, just being Ozzy, he would make tracks like Bark at the Moon. And or Crazy just, Train, which or is crazy about a really train. angry train. And he's literally, mad. like, he's just writing lyrics about fucking whatever. Yeah. And which is not necessarily a bad thing. I just, like, the funny, like, I think this track's fun. Yeah. I think it really doesn't serve a point. I think it's probably maybe potentially the worst track on here but yeah. he's still having fun it's still fun but like i just felt like it was close to something that was nuanced and like i don't think he was intending it to be but i read it as that for a second and as the track progresses like no this is just aliens yeah. these are just like actual this aliens just, these actually just little green men <laughs> um uh the what the one track i wanted to talk about those uh that has nuance to it um uh, today is the end talking about gun violence and school shootings but not focus heavily focusing on that it mm -hmm. still feels like past material as is yeah. and like these darker aesthetics of like death but it has lines like they kill they kill and we give them fame so tell me who's to blame yeah uh the sun is black the sky is red and it feels today is the like today is the end the kids are running as fast as they can could be today is the end it's like it's making these attachments and when you isolate moments like the second the second line i just yeah. said it just sounds like a black sabbath song when you add the first part it, there's nuance to and it. it kind of creates this idea of like how all violence is inherently the same viewed the same way because like we give like you know they're talking like oh you the skull shears to give them fame more fame than the victims but also like think of how much we like think about um i'm blanking on his name but like the the sniper who had the like most confirmed kills ever and he had a whole fucking movie made about him and all he did was kill people yeah largely indiscriminately like a, on his own accord like and how he described is like he just basically saw them as not human and he would just kill people pretty much indiscriminately he's famous now and it's just kind of pretty much on every level we dehumanize in order to kill yeah and it's just basically all violence is bad but it uses traditional like metal aesthetic so um 
I like the track Holy for tonight because it says he like it's the idea that he's facing his own mortality. He says, but also at the same time he's always been running out of. He's always been facing his immortality. <clears throat> Literally from the beginning. No, but like this this kind of emphasizes I'm running out of time forever. Yeah. I know that's somewhat I'm someone they won't remember because everyone won't be remembered forever. Yeah, and he's he's always been constantly running out of time, but now it's more prevalent. Which I. As somebody who's, like, followed his career, it also kind of makes sense for him. Because it seems like he's, though he's, like, an icon, it seems like he's always, like, lived on the edge of, like, a being for, like, being overlooked and forgotten. Because, like, after he got kicked out of, like, Black Sabbath, like, most people just assumed his career was over. Yeah. And then, like, he was able to get a solo <laughs> career, but then, like, he keeps, like, having issues with drugs. And, like, then he goes to rehab, people are like, oh, his career's over now. And just pretty much he's always, like, been on the edge of, like, either dying for real because of, like, his addiction problems that he used to have. And now people are like, oh, Ozzy's still alive. I thought he would have died a long time ago. And how, like, oh, well, he hasn't released a year in, like, ten years. Like, who he's, he he's done. now in ten years. Yeah. yeah, and, like, it's just, it's kind of this thing where he seems like he's always on the edge of being just kind of overlooked and forgotten despite his iconic status. Yeah. Um, that's all I really have to say. I really enjoyed this album. It's fun. It's catching. There's great shredding across it. All the atmosphere fits it. It's lively, energetic, but it still can get into these darker areas of mood. Not Black Sabbath-esque by any no. means, but darker. And even some, like, lighter, darker, like the piano ballad with Elton John, Ordinary Man, I think is is able to fit that intensity. Even though yeah. it's so boldy-esque and, and kind of happy in a way, mm -hmm. the things it's talking about is so fundamentally sad <laughs> i think this album does a shockingly like important thing for metal i don't even think it's aware of what it's doing but it's kind of metal needs to go back to being fun like yeah. it needs to go back to that 80s time frame because like we w went through new metal which was so attempting to be dark and edgy and then now we've kind of just gone 2000s extreme metal yeah and metalcore and it's just all so bland and forgettable. Like, the best metal band right now that people, like, concentrate is, like, the current, like, highlight of, like, metal is Ghost. I mean, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Ghost. Ghost is I, good, though. I appreciate Ghost. Yeah. And they're just a fun metal band. Yeah. And That's think, what makes them the best. Yeah. That's why their last album was so good, because it was, it was fun. Like, it had dark nuance like this. Yeah. It wasn't revolutionary for their genre, but it was fun. Yeah. And, like, sometimes, like... Art, like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this right, and I'm gonna be done because I think we'd be going on this roof for too long. Art as a whole, it can be something that's completely tedious, but it doesn't always have to be. No, if art you're having fun with your material, it can resonate with your music. Not always, because I bet Logic had a fucking fun time making Supermarket, mm. and that's terrible. Terrible album. But like sometimes music can just be fun. Yeah, and that's the point of it. As long as you're having fun, if you're enjoying it. That's all that really matters. It doesn't mean artistically it has a greater point. Yeah. But, like, I think he's not really reinventing himself. He's consistently showing that he's he's a brilliant artist, He's though. showing... He's vocally aged the best of, like, everybody. Like, we did the um, Subhumans album, mm -hmm. like, last year. And one of the things I talked about is how much, like, Dick... Because that's his name. And I could say that all I want. The way that Dick... Um, his voice just... It's aging so badly. Like, one of the cool things about early subhumans was the uniqueness of his voice, and now he just sounds really old and tired, and his yeah. vocals doesn't stand up anymore. Or we talked about it a little bit when we talked about Green Day, about how his voice is just sounding really mediocre and the worst it's ever sounded. Um, and we talked about um, 
bad uh, religion. I talk, I think I talked about a little bit too, is how he just kind of sounds old now. Yeah. Ozzy, he sounds old, but he doesn't sound aged. Old can be a characteristic yeah. trait too. Like his, like oldness can make a track. If you, if you're like, you don't always have to sound the same. Yeah. I, I know you're not meaning that. I'm not meaning, but like factors comparing like this to like his first solo album. Cause comparing the black Sabbath is a little unfair because he was trying to do things vocally that are a little bit different back then. Like comparing his first solo album to this, he sounds older, but he doesn't sound old, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, it's a concept. Yeah. He sounds just, he's, his voice sounds a little more tired and a little more worn out, but he still has like the same energy to him. Yeah. He doesn't sound like he's just given up and is just making music at this yeah. point. I, I keep in mind, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let this review for going for too long. It's been really long, but uh, I really enjoyed this album. I enjoyed I this think, album. I think it has uh, faults in the fact that material like this has been done but other than that i think yeah. everything done on here there's nothing that key point to where ozzy like messed up and it ruins everything uh there isn't that on this uh came out of scores few times right now i'm feeling i was gonna give this an eight minus but i think it's an eight i really enjoyed it i'm gonna talk about it i like it i was gonna give this like a seven and a half i think it's closer to an eight you said it's like an essential project. i think it's essential because i it's think fun. it's an essential metal project i think on the grand scheme of music it's not an essential project i think it's an essential project for its genre I don't think it's essential. Sometimes, like, like that, that, but that also falls into our larger yeah. theme of central project. Yeah, like well, just because it doesn't fall, it, it's the same thing. Yeah. All all the essential projects are same. Yeah. All the essential atrocities are the same. Yeah, we would recommend it. Yeah, we recommend it. However, I'm going to say if you're just not a fan of heavy metal in general, I wouldn't listen to if you, it. If you haven't seen a single episode of the Osbournes, don't wa- don't listen to <laughs> yes. this. I guess you're that's not a I, true fan. I guess that's what I mean when I say it's like it's essential for its genre. Like there are some albums I think transcend its genre to become like essential to like people who don't like the genre. Yeah. This one I don't think does that. Yeah. I think it's essential if you like the genre. Yeah. If you don't like the genre, don't give this a listen because you're not going to like it. Uh, we talked for way too long. Are you ready to get into the next album, which is? King Mr. K. Rule. King K. Rule. He has the metal tummy, and he's 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 gonna be alive and also a man. Time to go to the latest King Cruel album, Man Alive. It has an exclamation point. Uh, you need more uh, uh, energy. Ah, uh, uh, man alive, man alive. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. uh, let me get my notes. King Cruel. Uh, otherwise known as Archie Ivan Marshall, is a Marshall Mathers. Yeah. Marshall Mathers um, is a English pocus punk artist who I mostly know from his 2017 album, The Ooze, which uh, at the time we did year end awards. And uh, this album received the biggest, uh, probably most important world award, most overrated album of that year because people are eating this album to pieces. Um, saying it's the greatest because it had elements. Wait, of- wasn't it the same year Damn came out? Yeah, damn, I think has worth to it, even though it's not great. Hmm. It's not the, the greatest Kendrick product. I think it's overrated in the scheme, but like yeah. King Cruel's The Ooze was overrated in the artsy sense where people kept on overrating it, even though uh. there was much substance there. The thing was over an hour long. It featured elements of punk jazz and post-punk being complied into this very moody, brooding aesthetic, kind of similar to the aesthetic on here, but just amplified to a 10. Yeah. Uh, there's some amazing moments, like Dumb Surfer that year was my f- second favorite track. I still think it's an incredible, brilliant post-punk anthem that showcases all the charisma and quirky characteristics and essentially blend of jazz and post-punk that King Cruel did 
excellently at the best moments of that album. Mm-hmm. I think that album, comparable to this, has the best highs, but it also has the lowest unbelievable lows and it lingers there in that low period for so so long and his broodingness literally leads to him saying one of the most uh, cliche and uh, stupid lines of all time I have depression because I got depression not in that cool way (laughs) that's a cool way that's a funny (laughs) meme way Um, but I just didn't care for it it's something that showcases a ton potential but didn't lead anywhere imagine if that album that was delivered that way just like I dipped my nuts in some thousand dollar dressing <laughs> I don't think I I don't know cause I got depression I don't know you sound like Darby Allen. <laughs> do you know who Darby Allen is no he's a guy who wrestles and he's also a skateboarder and sometimes he takes the skateboard with tacks on the bottom and he slams onto his opponent's back because he's a psychopath that's neither here or there. You just said sounded. Like Why do you bring everything back to wrestling? Because that's the main. That's the main point in all society. You bring it back to something I have like no interest it's, it's or sim- real connection to. It's really just like politics. Wrestling is where we're at as a society currently. I mean, like I don't disagree with that, but. But so still. we must bring it up no, because it's the contemporary topic. Uh, um, so this new album, without talking about wrestling, is. Uh, 41 minutes, which I was kind of glad to see that this wasn't over an hour because last time it was just so brooding. I was, this was the last thing I listened to. Um, actually, no, BTS was the last thing, but we're not reviewing to that today. This is the last thing you listen to that's being talked about. about. Um, I didn't want to listen to this because the singles didn't interest me. The only one that, I, I didn't listen to any other singles besides... I don't, don't know what the singles were. I the only one I'm aware is Don't Let the Dragon Drag On. Mm-hmm. Because that seemed like a poor representation of a lot of the songs on his last album. Even though it was 2 minutes 32 seconds. It felt like infinity. It felt like infinite broodingness and uh, mediocrity. His The fact that the production just lingers. And it's it's kind of aesthetically pleasing, but it's not interesting. It has these accents of jazz, especially with the bass and how the keys are played, but nothing that stands out stylistically. And he has this kind of like, it's not surrealist, but it's still the album cover. I just realized that. Oh, that's not. It's not, it's not surrealist, but it's like dreamlike. Yeah. Like a lot of this feels like he's just sleeping and he's describing what he's seeing in his dreams. But which doesn't make it surrealist. No. But it's similar in S. It's kind of I I keep comparing and you you've said you don't get the comparison, but like I compare it sometimes to like tropical fuckstorm. Uh, I only get that comparison on the basis of post punk. But it's, like I don't think well, there's any there's accents a, except for maybe that what's frontman of Tropical Fuckstorm's name? I, I can't remember know. for the life of me. But uh they both have like that ability to go moanier. Mm-hmm. But Tropical Fuckstorm heightens that down a bit, yeah. well, and they also get more intense, and they get polished with the entire thing. King Cruel, what he, his problem for me has just been lingering. Yeah. And on this, which is, I actually kind of welcome the lingering, but it's still around for way too long than it needs to be yeah. there. But so, like, what I was saying is, like, what there's some, like, elements that, like, King Cruel uses that Tropical Fuckstorm also uses a lot. Um, You hear it with the guitar, or they'll be, like, just random, like... I think you've had a good, like, it's, like, twainy, but, like, it's almost like a twaininess that, like, Captain Beefheart would use. It's, like, random bits of guitar that seem like they're out of place, but, like, used rhythmically to where you know that, like, it's actually supposed to be there, and it creates this kind of dissonant, 
off-kilter guitar sound. Now, how Captain Beefheart and Tropical Fuckstorm use that is they use that pretty heavily, and they use it intensely to create an deeply off-kilter sound effect and just a general landscape. But I also just, think they vary it up a bit. Yeah, and variance. King Cruel kind of lives in that same yeah. type he, of atmosphere. And he does it, but he does it in this really slow way where, like, you'll have, like, that off-key, like, off-kilter, like, guitar bit, and whereas, like, Tropical Fluxman then followed up with, like, a couple more bits of that guitar and then keep going back to it, he'll do it for, like, a little bit and there'll be a little bit of space before he does it again. It basically just sounds like if you were to take a tropical fuckstorm song and just kind of stretch out too far. Which is like the issue I think I have with his song is like he has these interesting elements that I've heard other bands use that I love, but he's using them, it seems, almost incorrectly. Um, let me get a little bit more forward to what I'm saying. I, I think I have positive feelings for this album. I, I, st- I still think it, this is I have an enjoyable feelings. and at times rewarding listen, and to your average post-punk fan, they would probably really enjoy this album yeah. or dig it. I think this one is worth the amount of hype I've seen towards it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't progress to a somewhere where this is like the greatest album of all time territory, like people said the ooze was, but I think it's worth it. Why I do have problems with Dragon, that's the most unbearable track on here. I really don't fundamentally don't have problems without anything except for like fundamental issues of how the album works, how the album as a whole piece works rather than the album as individual pieces. Yeah. I think I like this album like the first bit. So like Cellular, But also in the first bit he's a lot more energetic. Yeah. Like Su- Cellular to Supermark to Stone again, I think are like in that area are like really interesting bits where like he's more energetic, he's more interesting to listen to and then i'm okay if the way he turns like towards the middle bit a little like dronier and a little more brooding and long dragged on but it also lives in that yeah the end of the album and that's the thing i think actually like right where you hit don't let the dragon is where i'm getting kind of tired of it and i think don't let the dragon drag on is so dragged on that it literally just kills my experience for the rest of the album even if it were to get more interesting at that point it's lived so long within this like dead in space and then it hits the absolute like pits of it that no matter what comes out afterwards it's gonna have kind of a bad taste on my mouth because yeah. it went through that um the themes of this album are uh, i what what i really uh one of the most enjoyable things about this album for me is is not necessarily how the writing structure but how the themes are structured it's very much about unrestlessness mm-hmm. and almost an existential crisis um and trying to find faith whether it is in your dreams of actual dreams or like relationships mm-hmm. and finding holy ground in that and also kind of how bad that can be is to have that worship of someone especially in the last track where he's talking about ex-lover how bad the outcry could be mm-hmm. um but i like the idea of how this album's sound matches the themes even though I think the sound is a little bit tired in yeah. the, like the center to the end. But like, I think you can do like those like slow brooding existentialist tracks. Yeah, no, and you like, can. Like, uh, like that's what Swans does really well. Like, especially on their last album, like that was a very existential album. But the tracks were actually still interesting. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm saying space. you can completely do it. Yeah. It doesn't have to exactly match because Stone again, he has this hip hop flow. He has the distorted bass awkward but at the same time is enjoyable in presence mm-hmm. uh there's these welcoming moody guitars later on but it fits um 
it, it brings this interesting personality. On uh, Let Go, there's this thick bass, twangy guitar, dusty percussion. Uh, he's talking about all these restless people and their ideas for searching for something more and the idea of, uh, of a supermarket and all these people being intertwined. Mm. Um, but it fits. He's a little bit more energetic. Yeah. It doesn't get to sleepy time, this voice, completely yet. Yeah. Um, there's another track on here. I forget which one it is is um oh i think it's energy fleets no maybe it isn't i don't remember i'm not gonna talk about it but um there's there's tons of rich atmosphere in the second half and there's like moments where i think he could bring it up a bit personality wise he doesn't always have to be brooding even though the brooding does match what he's going for yeah um comic face was the track i was thinking of but that's a little bit more energetic post-punk uh you get tracks like Perfect, um, miserable, where Cruel's love is the only thing keeping him afloat. Or on the last track, Please Complete The, where he's talking about searching out fried from this love, this lost lover, even though it's not going to do anything for him. Yeah. Or it, like almost the humility in searching for that. Um, Energy Fleets is talking about how he's kind of laughing off his life in the existential crisis, how, how lucky he is yeah. and kind of acknowledging how what a funny life he has in the strangeness of his depression finding a one hope in the general being of himself that makes everything a little bit better just a little bit the laugh the humor of knocking off how funny your life is and how strange it is um alone omen has the great idea of being alone in paradise What, what would that be life and also how the idea of paradise is you're always going to be alone because everything's so perfect. Uh, It's that weird existential crisis of can you ever be truly happy if everything's good and you don't have anything bad. Um, But other than that, I think the themes are really successful in this. I think the performance is a little bit, it's too brooding. He needs to be more energetic. I think production needs to fall suit. And sometimes, while I do think the guitars are, are are twanging, they fit in an environment. I also feel like he's at a point where like he can move past this phase because his guitars have always sound this way. Yeah, I think this is a success from the ooze, but it's nothing I would consider essential. No, it's nothing that I think is a complete must listen. But if you do like punk, post punk, I would recommend it. And if you like this album, it's completely understandable because yeah. there's great qualities to this, but it's just not. Figure. There's a ton more potential that I'm seeing from this. It's nice that we're getting the blending of some jazz elements, not too forefront as they were on the ooze, but mm. like it's nice that he's toning himself back a little bit, but there's still more toning he needs to do and fighting yeah. that right mix. The ooze still had bigger highs than this, I yeah. will say. You made me listen to that album and before I listened to this one. Did you actually listen to it? Yeah, I did. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I actually listened to it on the way back home from that review, like when you told me that this is what we were reviewing. And yeah, there's there's definitely moments in the ooze I was much more into. Yeah, than, Half Man, Half Shark, yeah. Dumb Surfer, even uh, Slush Puppy. Like, there's tons more of aesthetic there, but it's also somewhat brooding and lifeless. Yeah. There's That album was, like, hard to get through because, like, while it had, like, those good moments, it was just trying to get between them that wasn't yeah. fun yeah uh this is way more of a success though and yeah. keep my last course if you tell me this right now i think this is a seven minus yeah i was gonna say it's like it's a seven plus for like the first half 
but then like the second half just kind of drags that down to like a low seven, six and a half, yeah. something like that. Um, and that's it. Now we are in complete harmis- harmony, almost like a Wreckmeister harmony. What does that mean? I have. It's It comes from a movie by Bellatar oh, yeah, called I, Wreckmeister Harmony. Yeah, I read that somewhere. I forget where. Yeah. But I, did I own that. that movie. You do? Yeah. Is it good? Uh, it's pretty good. Okay. I'd say of Bellatar's films, it's probably his most accessible. Dude, I love their fights. <laughs> Without any further ado, let's go over the latest Wreckmeister Harmony's album. We love to look at Carnage. 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 Wreckmeister Harmony's is a Chicago experimental music collective that combines elements of drone music, surrealism, or no, not surrealism, serialism, post rock, and heavy metal. Metal, uh, it mostly is run by Jay Robinson, who's on lead vocals, but recently has featured Esther Shaw. Or Esther, maybe Esther Shaw's always been there. It's always pretty much centered around J.R. Robinson and Esther Shaw. Okay, I think like I read a somewhere series of like collaborators. I, I read somewhere that J.R. Robinson was the big. He's like I think the founder, and then Esther Shaw is like the secondary. Okay. But like so. it pretty much revolves around them. It's kind of like Jamie Stewart and whatever Asian woman he's with at the time, <laughs> and then other people. <laughs> Every time you say that, it makes me uncomfortable because it's kind of light racism, it's, but it's yeah, but it's also true. It's kind of true. Like ever since, like I think it was like his cousin or somebody left the band. Has pretty much just been like a series of like random people. <laughs> uh, this time around, it features. Men- funny you mentioned Jamie Stewart because this time around, the group collected features Jamie Stewart on electronics and Thor Harris, who's the drummer of Swans, on drums. Yeah. This is and this is an album I didn't know about, and Jonathan brought it up to me, and he said Jamie Stewart was involved, and I was interested, and I listened to the first track of this, and I was I was sold. I think this is a good. I consider personally to me, I think this is a post rock album. That's the thing I, I think fits into it the most. I think I guess if you had to give this like one distinctive genre label, I'd say like post rock or post something like that. Yeah, because I think I've, I've seen it, a lot of descriptions calling this experimental. If, Not that I don't think it's experimental by any means. It's the same like, post-rock like, vein that like late Swans fits in. Yeah. And that like I guess technically that's the genre to give it, but that's not really a great descriptor. For it's it. not the only description you can yeah. have it because elements of metal, experimental mm-hmm. music are on here. Uh, drone music's on here. Yeah. But I think post-rock is the biggest descriptor between somewhere between a drone music and experimental rock release. Yeah. Um, so I thought this was a lovely album in the extent of setting up these... like. I was going to say scenarios, but more settings. It's where you have these very beautiful, I don't want to say nature, but it could be reminiscent of a place like that. This natural, natural, not nature, though. Natural nope. setting to its own degree. Yeah. And the constant environment around it changing either through the perspective of someone's eye or through apocalypse. I think this album is in part about apocalypse. So taking what I've heard them like talk about their music before in this album in particular, and also knowing what they named themselves after, like you don't name yourself after a Bellatar film for like no fucking reason. Cause like yeah. a, you don't watch a Bellatar film for no fucking reason. Like you have to be a very specific type of person to seek out a Bellatar film. And so what their album, especially this one seems to be is what Bellatar's like most 
famous films outside of like his last film are usually about are these very slow existential pieces watching groups of people fall apart. So his most famous film, Satan Tango, is a seven-hour film about a town of people trying to deal with the fact that they were formerly a communist mm-hmm. town of the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. What becomes of them? Basically, it's an existential piece where everything they do just crumbles around them. Yeah. And then the film that they're based off of, Wreckmeister Harmony, is when a weird like carnival comes to their town and brings with it like an existential representation of like evil and dread and just like no, oh, I love killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, <laughs> and just like it's a bizarre thing that just like tears the town apart yeah. slowly. What I gained from this album, because they described this album as like we started with the idea of walking out your door. Yeah, and that this is kind of just a look at the end of the world through various people's eyes and like this small little community. Okay. And instead of it being that's an interesting take that I didn't think about it. Cause I got apocalypse. Yeah. Because with the title called midnight to six, you're going to think apocalypse. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, so it seems also like it could be various views of apocalypse, but I also kind of saw it very linear. It's, it's linear. Like I think cause most like of Bellatar's films are linear, but they like have just different viewpoints that they go through between like the state series of events. Like they don't like show the same events twice. So it seems almost like this album is like the end of the world. And then what comes after it. And instead of it being like the usual, like apocalyptic visions, it's kind of just how much has really changed. Because, like, you have, like, the things, like, with the rat catcher where he's talking about all I've ever really wanted was just a place to lay my head that never really changed, like, for that character because, like, that's all he needed beforehand and now the world's over and all he still really needs is just a place to lay his head at night. Yeah. But he doesn't have one still because he was homeless before and now he's just still living in the cold to die. Yeah. It's kind of this weird, like, existentialist, brooding, slow-moving piece just kind of taking this event, breaking down into these, like, small little chapters and perspectives of it and just kind of going through them and just creating just existential peace on something pretty apocalyptic, which is something Bellatar himself does kind of heavily. His last film that he ever made, um, The Turin Horse, was literally, he described it as like a Nietzschean anti-creation story told through the perspective of just a small family. And it's literally just six days of them watching the world die around them completely unaware of it and they just live their lives until eventually there's nothing left but darkness uh what i interpret this album as midnight six it's very apocalyptic um it's brooding it's beautiful at the same time Mm -hmm. and it's like the beauty of the world around you slowly (laughs) is going to fall apart in the final moments of something, you finally embrace how beautiful it is before it is taken away from you. With the lovely keys that blend with the guitar so perfectly, the violins on this are fucking phenomenal and brilliant. Uh, the light vocals, uh, the peaceful calm percussion, the like, very calm symbols. It's either a symbol or it's the... It's, I think it's chimes. I, chimes. And, yeah, there's a lot of chimes in this album, I'm pretty sure. Um, but especially that, how light it is and just passing it mm. works so well or not passing pulsing mm. it works so well um jr's voice seems so ghostly but like accepting where he is mm. um and then there's this almost like grandiose flashback or flash forward uh finally accepting everything just everything amplifies in this beautiful blend like it's all it's all like 
being compressed into one segment. At one time, you're finally seeing the world for what it truly is. Um, Then moving on to the next track, which is it's off-putting. Something's wrong with this, like, natural Mm. world around you. Um, Jamie Stewart pops up, so you know something's fucking wrong. (laughs) Jamie Stewart doesn't show up for anything less than the apocalypse. (laughs) As soon as you said that, like the first thing that popped in my head is that like, I'm here, I'm queer, I'm gonna watch shit burn. <laughs> um, it has this rich progression into the apocalypse with rich bells, moody, thick atmosphere. Truly a lovely track that gets into a more uh, strange, off putting assignment. I love the combination of vocals from uh, JR and Jamie, even though they're not like on top of each other, yeah. harmonizing each other. I like that fit. They, they, it reminds me of when Eugene Robinson combined with uh, Jamie on the last Shushu album at the end track. Yeah. Like that fit. Mm-hmm. Just like these two haunted figures Just, next to each other. Now we're here and it's like two more ghosts yeah. at the ghost club meeting up for the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, not one I think you can describe if, is this from different viewpoints. I think I can describe that as someone who's not really willing to accept the yeah. pain of what the world's going to end. Uh, Coyotes of Central Park, you said, if so, someone just trying to find to rest their head and that's all that really is important to them. Well, that's Ratcatcher. Oh, Ratcatcher. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, but like the second, like, second half of this album, I enjoy it. It's fine. It has all fundamentally things that I enjoy from something that post-rock post-rock and parentheses um it has fundamentally great production Mm -hmm. great soundscapes but it doesn't fundamentally hit the like the the essential itch like the first two tracks does it blends well with everything else but it it doesn't seem as fantastic it doesn't seem as noteworthy and i don't think it really i feel like it does that but it's scratch i think when you combine it with the first half it meets everything i want from like a a post-rock album something around the lengths of something of that style it meets that nature of what i want or i expect it has great environment it has great soundscapes it has great production it has great vocals it fits a mood it fits a setting but it the first half the first two tracks are just so amazing in setting up everything else that this like everything in comparison to those last tracks doesn't mean as much i think it does and doesn't i think if you take in like the theme of like this is the world after the apocalypse but like what's really changed it kind of makes sense it turns this the piece beam greater than the sum of its parts kind of deal yeah where these last halves aren't meant to stand on their own they're not to exist outside of any point beyond the album um i know coyotes of central park was the only one they kind of released as a single my guess is that's probably because it's also the shortest track on here um I also feel like this is a band that doesn't really give that much of a shit about singles, given that the only reason I ever heard of this album existing was because I follow Jamie Stewart on Instagram. Yeah. He was posting about the fact that he was on the album and that we should all check it out when it comes out. Yeah. And I did, thankfully. And so I feel like it's one of those things, like, yes, it like it ticks all the boxes. Like, it's technically, like, grand. Like, it doesn't hit the same itches that, like, these first bits do. I feel like that's also kind of the point. And th- that doesn't necessarily make it bad because yeah. I still think it's a good it's album. Really and good. thinking about how much I enjoy it as a grander things helps yeah. m- make me realize I do really like this album. Still, yeah. I still think it 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 isn't as impressive as it could be, which could be because of the themes it's resonating with, or the ideas it's trying to present. But also, it just doesn't. 
end just doesn't stand out. Yeah. And that's fundamentally if themes are going that way, it's fine. It has a purpose. I'm not going to knock you for that, but it just personally with me, it doesn't resonate. It, it still resonates. All, you don't always have to end with something flashy or bold, but you have to end with something kind of that resonates. And like, to me, the beginning resonates. And when I think about how, well, the beginning starts and it, it broods and it builds in the second half, it does pretty much the same thing, but not as impressive. I, I think the, the ending of this, album resonates with me but just like in a different way because whereas like we were talking about like we were talking like grimes like oh we need to end on this like grandiose piece or like oh you can end up like the most punchy this ends it resonates with me because it the purpose of it it like ends, and that's totally fine yeah. i'm not saying that's wrong but also it for me res- as experiencing this album it just i don't know maybe if i went to the last track yeah. on its own it, I, I feel like I would still enjoy the track, but when you yeah. pair it into everything beginning, it, it's a problem. Yeah. It, it's it, it it's, resonates. The ending of this film resonates with me the same way that like the ending of the I won't go back to Bellatar, even though it's like the obvious one because that's who they're fucking named. Yeah, named. So, like a Tarkovsky film ending, like the ending of like, um, fuck Stalker. Or one of his fans doesn't really resonate because of like the strength. It's like not like the super strong ending, but like the ending like ties fans together into like a thematic point. Yeah. And it it's not like this like, oh god, go out on a big note. It goes out on this very soft, kind of pointless note where like it doesn't seem to like fit. Cause like if do you remember the ending? Yeah, I know, I know. Like the cup moves. Yeah. And like it doesn't really tie into like anything like plot wise like yeah. this wasn't really brought up before this isn't something that like really matters but like it kind of goes on with like the themes of the film yeah and that's kind of what this does like this doesn't resonate with me like because of like oh man it's such a cool ending it's such like a cool note to leave off on but it resonates with me because like it makes the rest of the thing fit like yeah. it seems like it's a part of the greater whole and it makes me think about the picture as a whole yeah which is totally it's a fine thing i'm not saying yeah. that's like a type of thing that needs to be this way because yeah. you can end the album in a various bunch of ways anything's possible yeah. but i'm saying for me just it's more the ending is important but mm-hmm. it's not as important how the first two tracks really yeah. set this thing up and the last three tracks don't repeat it completely holds the put because there's new ideas being presented but they're not as important as the first two yeah. Which, in a theory, if you're talking about Apocalypse, the Apocalypse is important. That's the big no. Yeah. Like, the two days after isn't going to be as important when someone was, like, eating cereal. Yeah. Or dead. I mean... Face down in a bowl of cereal. Because <laughs> they had a heart attack while eating their cereal. The Apocalypse had nothing to do with it. That would have happened anyways. <laughs> because they didn't watch their cholesterol. <laughs> That's, I'm going to leave it at that. I do think this is an impressive album. Yeah. And at the end of the day, thinking, going through it, I was going to give this like a 7. I think I was going to give it a 7 plus. But like thinking about how it builds atmosphere and the performances throughout and things I like of this nature, it fits that niche pretty well. Something yeah. post-Rocky in, not a post-Rock album, but something of yeah. that. That that area that zip code that tri-state area that is post-rock yeah but it's like something near that it's right on the edge it's it's got a house right next to swans it has to pay for uh business tax Mm -hmm. and home tax yeah they got fucked over by where they built their land (laughs) um 
But keep in mind, I did enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, of course, if you're telling me it's right now in film. Uh, I, I, right now, it's the current moment. I'm thinking this is like an A minus. This is like a nine to me. Yeah, I think this that's is fine. A that's album. personally, I yeah. think it has those points, but it, to me, it just doesn't. Essential project. Yeah, I, I would still yeah. give it an essential project. Um, even if it was seven plus, I would still give it an essential project because I think there's groundbreaking material on here. And that's it. This has been uh, a really long episode of the Anthony Todd Show. Our we're fucking. Wreckmeister Harmonies and fucking Ozzy Osbourne, two of like the most different things that like are still kind of technically within some of the same genre molds. This is a weird week. Same thing to me. It's eight minus. It's a weird fucking week. <laughs> Get to the same holes by being the same. Ozzy Osbourne, Wreckmeister Harmonies, same thing. On that note, I'm gonna go cry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, until next time, guys. You want to follow us on social media? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Anthony Todd. You can find us at youtube.com for the Anthony Todd show. You can find us Podbean, uh, Stitcher, I'll play po- Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Spotify, Tinder, we Tumblr. Have Tinder. You have a Tinder. WebMe, LinkedIn, and whatever is your favorite podcast browser. We don't just have search. a Tumblr anymore. They got rid of porn. What's the point? <laughs> Whatever is your favorite podcast browser, just search the we Anthony Todd Show. We moved to Pornhub. <laughs> Whatever your favorite Anthony and Todd, or what is your favorite podcast service, you can search the Anthony and Todd Show. On Pornhub. People put Vine Sauce videos on Pornhub, mm. and they get a good amount of views. <laughs> Let's put them on Pornhub. No. Let's monetize them. No, I don't want to. This is how we make money. I don't get a computer virus. I can't get a computer virus. Pornhub's like the only safe like porn site you can go to without getting I, a virus. I don't like if they're pop-up links. Oh, yeah, that's kind of annoying. That's why I don't do it. I do it on my phone like well, an adult. <laughs> it's the digital age, Look, man. we don't have to use, like, we don't have to go watch our videos on Pornhub. I know, but you still have to Pornhub. use the interface that has all the ads. Just put, get ad blocker. No, that's that's for losers. I want to support my fellow Pornhub artists. <laughs> my porn, these Pornhub's masterpiece makers, these Pornhub chefs over here. I want to support their... Is there a cooking channel on Pornhub? I feel like there has to be. No, I was talking about how sex is a, oh. a, a cooking act in itself. Is it? Because you got to be... There's a... You can't just go in and rush it. You have to... There's, there's like, fast food level sex, and then there's, like, masterpiece level sex. Okay, what is your masterpiece level Pornhub video? I don't know. Because now I'm curious. I don't think I have one, but I think there is one. All right, so uh, I think it would be perfectly. On next s- week's is it a film? I'm not doing research for that. Vincent but. finds and we review his masterpiece level Pornhub video. <laughs> his five star Michelin <laughs> restaurant Pornhub video. Did you guys watch a in one of your film classes a Pornhub or you didn't watch Pornhub? You watched it on like Porn Cow or something like that. Oh, I I think they might have in like the cinema and sexuality class. But oh, I you weren't. I in wasn't that. in that oh, class. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, you can find me at Twitter at Vincent Short. The Vincent Short. You can find me at Instagram at Vincent Thomas Short. Why are you, you find plugging yourself? Because I'm cool. You can also find my new album, my compilation. It's not an album. I don't consider it an album, even though technically it's an album. It might be up by the time this is, but it should be up on iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify under the name Vincent Thomas Short. So if you want to find that, you can. You can find him on Instagram at animated and Anima- it's like one's animated jkr and the other one's animation jkr why do you do that you need because to one of them like i didn't have like enough room to do animation so i had to shorten it somehow because there is no god 
I'm not going to give you time to figure it no, out. Hey, no, you have to figure it out before I hit the outro. I'm just trying to remember what... It's a test. It's a game. This oh, wait, no. F- oh, yeah. So on Twitter, it's animatedjkr. Animating Jonathan is my Instagram. Both of you can just search my name, Jonathan Reeser, and you'll find it. Okay. Until next time, guys. Watch Pornhub 10 out of 10 masterpieces. I don't know. I don't really have a word. Comment your, um, your Pornhub masterpieces on our videos. Um, just give us the title, maybe. <laughs> no, don't. Don't give us links. Yeah, don't give us links. I'm pretty sure that but would... But vivid descriptions would be nice. Yeah. You know, let me know what I'm getting into. <laughs> See you guys next week. See ya.